Hi, I'm Dr. Gary Chapman, and you're listening to the Radical Radiance Podcast. Welcome back to the Radical Radiance Podcast. My name is Rebecca George. I'm your host. And today we are joined by our new friend, Dr. Gary Chapman, to talk all about his newest book, Love is a Choice. Now, you may remember Dr. Gary Chapman, as I do, for his work in um, writing about love languages, the best-selling book that sold over 20 million copies, The Five Love Languages. We talk about that and just the deep, profound impact it's had on my life and my marriage. And I know so many of yours as well. Well, so I am not going to delay us anymore. I just want to welcome our new friend, Dr. Gary Chapman, to the show. Dr. Gary Chapman, I cannot tell you how excited I am to have you on the show today. And I told you this before we hit record, but your work has had such a profound impact on my life and in my marriage. And it just feels so exciting to get to have a conversation with you and so I just want to first welcome you to the show. Well thank you Rebecca it's great to be with you today. I'm excited well you are releasing a new book called Love is a Choice that we get to talk about here in a minute and I'm super excited about that I got my own copy a few days ago and it's been fun to read that read through that myself but as we get going I know so many of our listeners and so many of our friends will have known you for the five love languages book that has had such an impact on my life and over 20 million other readers which is so incredible and so i wonder as you look back over just god's faithfulness in that project how he's used it what are you the most thankful for what have you seen god do i just would love to start there well you know rebecca the main thing i think is just the numbers of people that have read the book and their marriage has been enriched because they read the book. Mm. In fact, when I do marriage conferences on Saturdays around the country, I will always have people come up and say, we just want to share with you that book, The Five Love Languages, literally saved our marriage. We were feeling like it, it wasn't going to work. We had tried everything. And we read that book and it was like the lights came on. And we realized how we missed each other emotionally. And we took the quiz, discovered each other's love language, started speaking it, and it literally saved our marriage. So that's been uh, so, so encouraging. The other thing that really has encouraged me is that the book is now published in over 50 languages around the world. You know, my uh, background academically before I studied counseling was cultural anthropology. I did an undergrad and a master's in cultural anthropology, the study of cultures. And uh, so I'm sensitive to cultural differences. And I really was shocked when uh, the Spanish publisher came first. And uh, I said, I don't know, does this work in Spanish? And they said, well, we've read it and we want to publish it. So they did and it became their bestseller. And it's been their bestseller through the years. And then it went to all the other cultures. So, yeah, Uh, which says to me that uh, it speaks to the basic human need to feel loved by the significant people in your life. And so... I think because it's helped people meet that need, uh, and they've just shared it with their friends and their brother and his wife and their sister and her husband. It's just gone all over the world. So, yeah, and and, and God's behind it all. I mean, I, you know, uh, yeah. people ask me how do I explain that. It's been out now 30 years, and every year it sells more than the year before. That doesn't happen. Wow. <laughs> and I just say, well, the, the short answer is God, and the long answer yeah. is God. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, it, it very much is one of those messages that just stands the test of time, right? Because those innate desires in us to be and feel loved in a certain way, uh, man, I just, I think it's such helpful language. I can remember when me and my husband started dating and we started having that conversation of, okay, here's maybe where we're missing each other. I'm trying to love you in this particular way. And that's, you know, all well and good until I realize, oh, wait, she actually doesn't see that because that's not the way she wants to be loved. <laughs> and so I remember it being just such a powerful conversation for us. And I know uh, just so many I've had I can't tell you the number of conversations I've had across my life where whether it was a friendship or within my own marriage or walking through a struggle with another friend in their own marriage it it, it comes back so many times to love languages and and that's thanks to you and so it's just such a gift well I think uh, you know the very fact that it does address that need to feel loved and that's true whether you're married whether you're single whether you're a child, whether you're an adult, we all have the basic need to feel loved by the significant people in our lives. And understanding the love language concept really helps you to do that effectively. I agree. Well, I am so excited about this new project that you're releasing called Love is a Choice. And I would love to just hear a little bit of your heart for it, how it's different from some of the other books that you've written. Would you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, well, it's radically different from the other books I've written because uh, in the other books, uh, I did all the writing. In this book, it's a collection of stories that people wrote themselves about their experience yeah. in loving other people. Some of them are stories about marriage, but some of them are stories about other relationships. And so kind of covers the gamut in terms of different types of stories, but all of them emphasizing the power of choosing to love. And that's why I use the word choice. Love is a choice. You know, in our culture, we have exalted the emotional aspect of love. And we talk about falling in love and, and how, how high and wonderful that is. But, you know, no one told me before I got married that we come down off the high. <laughs> I was always told. It's true. I was always told, if you've got the real thing, it's going to last forever. <laughs> well, that wasn't true. Uh, we came down off the high, and, and not only did I lose those positive feelings, but I had negative feelings toward her because she wasn't doing what I wanted her to do. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. my wife and I struggled early in our marriage, and, and may, that's maybe one reason why I have such empathy for people who sit in my office and say, well, we just feel like there's no hope. We don't have any feelings for each other anymore. We have negative feelings. And I remember when I had that, you know, that, those same feelings. Yeah. But, you know, in the Bible, love, love starts with an attitude and then appropriate behavior. It doesn't start with emotions. Uh, so, uh, you know, when you get that concept that, that the attitude of love is, I want to do whatever I can to enrich your life. You know, whether it's my wife or my children or whether it's a friend or whether it's somebody I just encountered today. Uh, love has, is the attitude that says, I want to enrich the lives of other people. I want to be God's representative for sharing his love with people. And so it starts with that attitude. And then what the love language does, it gives you information on how to communicate love to the other person so that it does meet that emotional need for love because we are emotional creatures. I mean, I'm not against emotion. Mm -hmm. we, we are emotional creatures. Sure. So uh, 
you know, that, that's been very, very encouraging. And I think this new book, uh, my hope is it, it's going to help people. And I think it, single adults can read it, you know, married adults can read it, uh, even older teenagers can read these stories, and uh, certainly young, uh, young adults. Uh, because they are so varied uh, and different in topics, I think anybody's going to be sure. able to say, oh, man, isn't that neat? In fact, there's a couple of those stories. I read them and tears came to my eyes. I was just so wow. moved by, by, you know, what this person had written about the power of love. Psst. Did you know that my debut book, Do the Thing, Gospel-Centered Goals, Gumption, and Grace for the Go-Getter Girl is available wherever you like to buy books? I wrote it. Well, I wrote it just for you, friends. So if you are ready to see your gifts and talents from a gospel-centered perspective, prioritize goals related to your calling as you move forward with gumption and grace, maximize your passions in the work you do every day, actively partner with God to serve Him and love others, and overcome negative thought patterns so you can brainstorm, develop, and create with the confidence of a go-getter girl. If that sounds like you then I want you to order today at the link in the show notes below. Each chapter includes prayer prompts, scripture for further study, questions for reflection, action steps to move your goal forward, and accompanying videos for individual or small group discussion. So grab a friend or 12 and let's use God's word as our compass to do the thing. After all, if not now, when? One of my greatest joys is having the opportunity to come share God's Word at women's events, retreats, and conferences. I'm booking speaking engagements for this year and next year and would love to chat with you about your church's next event. Shoot me an email at hello at radicalradiance.live to start a conversation today. Mm, that's so good. I wonder as you reflect on the book, was there a story or a particular route where maybe this was put into action and you saw that in a story and you thought, wow, I'm so thankful God used it in that way. Is there one that stands out to you? Yeah, one is this lady who was retired. She and her husband were retired. She, was, she worked in the public library. And uh, they had no children, had never had children. And one morning she was out in the yard working and this, this little girl came through the bushes <laughs> from the house next door and said, uh, will you play with me? And she said, I turned to her. She looked like four or five years old. And she said, well, honey, I'm busy. And she said, I'm Lily. Can we play? <laughs> oh. <laughs> and she said, I was so moved by it. I just took my gloves off and said, okay, what do you want to play? She said, I want to play house. And I want you to be the child and me to be the mother. <laughs> Oh, that's so So precious. she interfaced with her, you know, for a good long while. And then she said, okay, honey, now I have to go back to work and I'll let you run home, okay? And she thought, you know, that's that. But the next day, the same little girl knocked on her back door. Lily was Lily back. Lily was back. And she knocked on the door. <laughs> and she, when I went to the door, she said, uh, what are you doing? And she said, I'm cooking. And she said, can I help you? And she said, no, honey, you better go home and let, help your mother. And she said, my mother's not home. And I said, well, who's keeping you? She said, the babysitter. And I said, well, she told me to go out and play. Said, so can I help you? So she said, I let her in, and I let her stir some things, you know, she said. And she said, that was the beginning of what became a 21-year relationship with that young child. Wow. 
And she said, I, I just realized, you know, what I thought was an interruption was really an opportunity. And she said, even after she went off to college, when she would come home, she would come to visit me. And we'd sit in, on the swing and talk about life together. And she said, she really became the daughter that I never had. And she said, if wow. I had not allowed, uh, you know, that interruption to sh show me that it's an opportunity to love this young girl. And what the language she was speaking was quality time. She was giving this kid yeah. her undivided attention. And the kid, of course, craved it. Wow. And so uh, it was that choice to allow an interruption to become an act of love. And I think many of us mm. miss opportunities to love because we feel like, you know, it's an interruption. Somebody says something to us or asks us a question, and we just try to get rid of it as quickly as we can and move on to our business, you know, rather than realizing if God brought that person to my life and they're made in God's image, maybe God wants me to show them love in some way. And it may not become a 21-year <laughs> you know, investment, yeah. but it may just be a one-time investment. But uh, interruptions yeah. are often opportunities to express love to people. That, to me, it was just a powerful story. Yeah, that is extremely powerful. And as you're talking through it, I'm thinking about our culture and how short our attention spans are and how busy we all are. And I wonder if quality time isn't something that we all struggle with in this moment in time that we find ourselves in because of all of those reasons, right? Yeah, I think it is a struggle, particularly for people for whom yeah. this is not their language. Now, for those, yeah. those for whom quality time is their primary language, I mean, they like nothing better than sitting down and sure. talking to somebody, you know, and interfacing with somebody. But if this is not your language, and you're an, you're an acts, of, acts of service person, you, know, you just always want to be doing something, doing something. And that's wonderful to be doing something, especially if you're doing it for other people. But if that's not their language, I mean, they appreciate what you did, but it doesn't really speak deeply to them emotionally. So, yeah, I think anytime that the other person's primary love language, that is the one that's most important for them, is the one that's least important for you, it's a learning curve. You know, it's really a learning curve. But you, here's the good news. You can learn to speak any of these languages, even if you did not receive them as a child. And many of us did not receive some of these languages. So it's, it's new to us. It's not natural to us. We have to learn how to speak the languages. Yeah, there's a chapter in the book that talks about, I think it's called Opposites Attract, mm -hmm. Then What? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where a married couple, I believe, came and and realized that they had differing love languages. And wouldn't it be a beautiful thing if we married someone who spoke our exact love language, right? There would be, well, there would be no need for your book and we would just all understand each other, right? And, and I know even in my own marriage, that was absolutely the case. We were just loving each other differently. And, and there's so much power in discovering that. And so could you talk a little bit about maybe the inner workings of how naming it just help, is so helpful? And if somebody is coming to this conversation thinking, okay, that is me, Gary, that is me, Rebecca. Me and my husband speak totally different yeah. languages. Where do they start? Yeah. Well, I think, uh, you know, it, we seldom have the same love language, a husband and wife. It does happen. Yeah. But even if we have the same language, we will likely have a different dialect. 
that is a different way of expressing. Okay. For example, a lady said to me some time ago, she said, Gary, my husband and I have the same love language. I said, wonderful, what is it? She said, acts of service. But, she said, the things I want him to do for me that make me feel loved are different from the things he wants me to do to make him feel loved. Same language, just different dialects. So, uh, and I don't think, you know, before you get married, these things are attractive. You know, uh, you, you know, say you, you're dating a girl and she's real active and outgoing, you know, and just talking to everybody and you just, you, know, you can just kind of relax with her, you know. And, and but after, after you get married, you know, if your language is, is uh, let's say, quantity time and she's talking to everybody else, you know, and she's the life of the party and you're just standing over in the corner, she goes, well, I guess it's okay if I'm here, you know. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, so that, that that particular story was a great story, and she talked about. Yeah. And it said it all it all erupted uh, after the wedding. We got in the car. We had a driver, and he was driving us to the reception, and he took the scenic route. And she's I got upset thinking, man, the people are going to all oh. be there waiting for us. You know, we're going to be inconveniencing them. You know, and my husband was, honey, calm down. We get there. You know, I mean. <laughs> And on and on and on. It's not just love languages. We're different in a many, many, many ways. And, uh, and, and we have to adjust to that. You know, for example, when we got married, I had these visions. I'm a morning person, okay? And okay. I'm awake and alive in the morning early. And I had this vision that we were going to have every morning, we we're going to have breakfast together. We we're going to have a quiet time oh, together. Yeah. And we we're going to pray together, you know. We got married, and I found out my wife didn't wake up till 10. She got up, but she didn't wake <laughs> up, you know. <laughs> so I had to recognize mm, that's not going to happen if we're going to have any time like that it's going to be sometime other than early in the morning yeah. and, and I think that's the key uh, differences are fine look uh, we, we, we bring different strengths and different interests and all and different ways of doing things and we're on the same team so let's, let's learn right. to accept some of those realities that we are different in this way but how can we use those to the benefit, you know, our benefit? Because we want to be, we want, we want to be winners. We don't want to win an argument. If we win the argument, our spouse lost. It's no fun to live with a That's loser. Right. So why would you create a loser, you know? So it's, it's learning how to, uh, yeah, change some things if you can to please the other person. But other things we just have to accept that uh, that's who they are. They're not going to change radically. And so let's just learn how to utilize the positive parts of these things. So it, ta it takes some time, but it also takes an attitude that we are yeah. going to work through these differences and we're going to find answers and we're going to learn to work together as a team as we process life together. Yeah, as you're talking, I just keep coming back to it really requires a heart of selflessness yeah. Yeah. to exercise learning how to love your spouse in their love language and in the dialect of their love yeah. language, right? I think at the root of it, for me, at least in my own marriage, that has been the key is the moments where I choose to be selfless yeah. and realize, okay, this is how he desires to be loved. Yeah, you know, uh, what radically changed my marriage was one day when I said to God, I don't know what else to do. I've done everything I know to do, mm. it's not working. And as soon as I said that, there came to my mind a visual image of Jesus on his knees washing the feet of his disciples. And I wow. heard God say to yeah. me, that's the problem in your marriage. You do not have the attitude of Christ towards your wife. Hit me like a ton of bricks. Because I remember what Jesus said when he stood up. After he washed their feet, he said, you call me teacher and Lord, 
And you're right. But in my kingdom, the leader serves. And I knew that was not my attitude. You know, my attitude was something like, look, we can have a good marriage if you'd listen to me. (laughs) And I said, Lord, forgive me. With all of my, I was in seminary studying to be a pastor. I said, with all of my study of theology, I've missed the whole point. I said, please give me the attitude of Christ toward my wife. In retrospect, it's the greatest prayer I ever prayed about my marriage because God changed my heart. And I started asking her three questions, simple questions. When I was willing to ask these questions, my marriage began to change. First question is, honey, what can I do to help you? Second question, how can I make your life easier? Third question, how how can I be a better husband? And when I was willing to ask wow. those questions, she was willing to tell me. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> and I started doing those things. And it didn't, cha- it didn't change overnight, but within three months. Yeah. Within three months, yeah. she started asking me those three questions. What can I do to help you? Wow. How can I help make your life easier? How can I be a better wife? So, you know, we've been walking this road a long time now. And I, I've got a... And, I mean, it's a, I got a great wife. I told her the other day, I said, you know, honey, if every woman in the world was like you, there'd never be a divorce. Why would a man leave a woman who's doing everything she can to help him? You know? And my goal has been to so serve her that when I'm gone, she'll never find another man to treat her the way I've treated her. <laughs> oh, that is so precious. But but oh, that is so, so precious. So you're right. It's an attitude of service. You know, yeah. in fact, in Philippians it says, let this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who though he was God, he emptied himself and became a man. And when he got on level yeah. ground with us, he stepped down further to death on a cross. Let this attitude be in you. So yeah, it's the, it's, it's that attitude. Uh, you can understand the love language concept and still choose not to do it. I mean, I had a man tell me, That's he said, right. Dr. Chapman, I read your book. My wife and I read it, and we took the quiz, and her love language is acts of service. But I'm going to tell you and her, if it's going to take my washing dishes and my vacuuming floors for her to feel love, she can forget that. Mm. I said, well, that's your choice because love is the choice. If you choose to live with a wife who has what I call an empty love tank, that is, she doesn't feel loved by her husband. If you choose to live with a wife like that, that's your choice. I said, I much prefer to live with a wife who has a full love tank. I said, my wife's language is acts of service. And I do wash dishes and vacuum floors and clean toilets and take out the trash. And she tells me I'm the greatest husband in the world. (laughs) Yeah. And it probably probably makes her feel the same way you feel when she loves you in your preferred love language. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's, that's such an important thing, I think, to bring to the conversation. So thank you for sharing that. And... As I just skimmed the table of contents before I was really digging into the book, there was a chapter that stood out to me. And it will probably stand out to a lot of people because we all, if we're honest, probably struggle with this. And it's loving your enemies. Mm. Dedicate a whole chapter to a story about this. And I'm thinking of maybe the listener coming to the conversation today really struggling in that area. How would you want to encourage them? Well, it's one of the most powerful things we can do is to love a spouse who's not loving us. Yeah, and in that sense, they're our enemy. Uh, and that story is powerful. You know, she said, before we got married, man, he was the life of the party. He was a humorous guy. I just loved being with him. And we got married, and shortly thereafter, he started drinking. And then he just became a monster. 
and she said we you know we were just about to give up on things but we said no we gotta make this work so he stopped drinking and we started changing things and and things got better you know for a while and then he got a disease uh, muscular dystrophy or something I forget what it was exactly but and she said uh, then he started drinking again and she said then he was just angry with me about everything and she mm -hmm. said a friend gave me a Bible and I started reading the Bible and then that friend invited me to a Bible study and I became a Christian gave my life to Christ mm -hmm. and one morning I was reading where Jesus said love your enemies do good to those that hate you and I just heard she said I heard God say that's the plan you do it and see what happens she said so I started giving him words of affirmation I started giving him acts of service and she said it took a little while but he stopped drinking and then he returned to being a humorous person he returned you know to being positive in the marriage relationship and, and she said so we had a great life for 30 some years before the disease finally took him so she said the disease won in terms of taking in his life but love won in terms of giving us a good marriage over those years and you know we can't we can't guarantee that if you choose an attitude of love towards someone that's not loving you we can't guarantee that they will turn around but we do know sure you know, the bible says we love god because god first loved us you know we just reciprocated so if you be god's instrument in romans 5 verse 5 says the love of god is poured in our hearts by the holy spirit so you don't have to have positive feelings towards your spouse you just say lord you know how i feel you know how hurt i am but i know that they're made in your image and you love them so I, i'm willing right. to be your agent if you pour your love into me i'll be your agent for loving them and you move out to speak their language in his power and I can tell you this, many, many times I've seen that person turn around. It might take two months, three months, four months, six months of sure. unconditional love in the right love language before they turn around, but many times they will, they will turn around and start loving you. Sure. That's incredible. I love that. Well, before we go, there is a question that I ask every guest that comes on the Radical Radiance podcast, and I'm excited to ask you, as I was asking God to sort of give me direction and where I needed to take the podcast. He kept bringing me back to this verse in Psalm 34. It's verse five. And it says, those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be covered in shame. Mm -hmm. And so the question I love asking is what about Jesus makes you radiant? You know, I think it's an awareness that the God of the universe is willing for me to sit down and talk with him mm. and listen to him and have a conversation with him. You know, you read the Bible and God's talking and then we respond to whatever he's saying. Yeah. So, you know, every morning when I sit down after I've read a passage in the scripture and underlined some things and talked to God about them, I say, now Lord, I just want to sit here and enjoy, enjoy your presence. Sometimes I just sit there in silence, and sometimes I talk to God. But when we have that kind of relationship with God, we're really doing what the disciples do. We're hanging out with God. They, they hung out with Jesus. <laughs> we, we hang out with God. And when we do, His Spirit is in control of our lives. And then when we move out to face the day, we are going to do things as His representatives that are going to enrich the lives of other people. And life's deepest, deepest satisfaction is found in loving others. 
and uh, when we do it, we are touching lives. Lives are being changed. They, they, they hopefully they're going to come to Christ, and uh, we're going to spend eternity together. So, yeah, that's the heart that's of life, the Christian life. I love that. I love that. Well, tell everyone where can they find you? Where can they grab all of the amazing books that you've written? I know that they will be excited to get Love is a Choice. And so just tell us where yeah. they can connect with you after this conversation. Well, they can always go to Amazon, of course. They have most of my books of there. Of course. And, uh, but you can also go to fivelovelanguages.com, the number five. Okay. Fivelovelanguages.com. And there they can get a little blurb of all of my books. They can actually order them there from the publisher if they would like. And they can also find out where I'm going to be speaking around the country. They can sign up to get an email from me every week. You know, so a lot of, a lot of good stuff there. And, uh, so, yeah, they, they, I think they camp out there a little while. They find some helpful things. <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. Well, I said this at the beginning, but I'll say it again. I can't tell you what an honor it is to get to sit down with you and talk about love languages. And it is uh, just such a gift after the impact it's had in my life and I know so many of the lives of my listeners and so thank you from all of us for your work on this project and we're excited to read Love is a Choice and excited to cheer you on as you launch it into the world so thanks for being my guest today. Well thank you Rebecca it's great to be with you and keep up the good work of trying to help others. I hope you enjoyed that sweet conversation with Dr. Gary Chapman as much as I did. Go grab a copy of Love is a Choice wherever you like to buy books. And I'll be back with you next Tuesday for another amazing conversation.